0: Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis.
1: Listen to you move your mind I bet you come way down now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get
0: Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: And good morning, good day. We appreciate you being here. A very important program this morning. It's about elder abuse. According to the World Health Organization, one in six people, 60 years old in America, suffer from some kind of elder abuse, some kind of form of abuse. Now, many cases go unreported. Rob Clement is here to share with some ideas about warning signs to look for and what to do if you suspect elder abuse. In the second half of the program, Ryan Ealy will discuss one of the most misunderstood or at least little understood, is a better way to put it, maybe, topics in the financial world, life insurance, who needs it, and how much do you need, important subjects that come totally from your questions. You ask, and we try our best to answer. So you want to stay with us through the whole entire program. From our Did You Know Files, if you turn seven and a half sometime in 2018, Then you must begin taking annual withdrawals from your IRA accounts no later than April the 1st of this year. And if you delay your first withdrawal until April the 1st, you must also take a second distribution by 1231 of this year. Bankrate Financial Security Index, you may have heard of them. They recently found that just 29% of working Americans surveyed in the summer of 2018 had emergency savings set aside that would allow them to survive at least six months without any current cash flow from a job. 26 or 29%. That's uh, not enough. Not enough. Twenty-seven percent, this is important, this is kind of, it caught me off guard when I read this the first time. Twenty-seven percent of 1,000 millennials surveyed in July of last year, that would be 2018, okay, this is from Lend Out, Lend Education, Lend, E-D-U, dot com. okay, spend more money, this is 1,000 millennials spend more money on coffee each month than what they set aside and invest monthly for their eventual retirement plan. Now, that's that's millennials, 27%, one out of four. In 2018, Northwestern Mutual Insurance Company did an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults and found that 87% of Americans agree that nothing makes them happier or more confident than feeling like their finances are in order. I can get that. I think that's important. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Like us on Facebook. Coming up, now, this is important, Rob Clement, Elder Abuse. Why is only one out of every 25 cases of financial exploitation reported? You'll find out in today's program. And Life Insurance, a great course, 101. It's Ryan Ely. How much and what kind do you want to buy when it comes to your insurance program? I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money
1: podcast of talk money are available in the itunes store just search shoemaker financial we'll be right back with more talk money after this jim shoemaker and ryan eatley are registered representatives and investment
0: advisor representatives of Security and financial services inc securities dealer member fnira sipc a registered investment advisor rob clement is a registered representative shoemaker financial is independently
1: owned and operated and now back to talk money with your host jim shoemaker
2: Well, we have two very important subjects today. Both are are kind of what we say they're financial subjects, but they're subjects that everybody needs to be thinking about, everybody needs to pay attention about. My guest today, Ryan Ely and Rob Clement. Ryan, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me, Jim. Rob, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. You know, Rob, let me start. I was recently reading an article in the Wall Street Journal just a couple of weeks ago, and it's talked about that banks have reported that there's a 12% increase a 12, 12%, 12% of, of suspected cases of fraud. And then they talked about, they reported to the Treasury Department that 20, almost 25,000 suspected cases of financial elderly abuse to the Treasury Department, that's up. That's tremendous, double the amount of five years ago. How, you know, this is a big deal. How, you know, that sounds to me like a very big issue in our society today. Jim, who is the person
3: that's supposed to love us the most as we get older? And that is usually a family member, right? Right. And the reports from the National Council on Aging tell us that 90% of abuse to family members uh, of elders is done by family members, and two-thirds of those folks are the children of the family. So it's a huge issue out there, and a lot of it goes unreported.
2: You know, when you talk about unreported, I mean, this, this loss, this amount of money, I mean, I read an article that said $2.9 billion was talking about that. This is an enormous amount of of, of dollars, and it's leaving someone in a major issue or just totally devastated. And, and the problem, I feel like, is how do you go about this idea? I mean, you, you're talking about the the bank just, you know, they're talking about 24,000, almost 25,000 cases, almost doubled from a couple of year five years ago. And I read that, you know, they're talking about the nursing home abuse center talked about the fact that one out of every 14 incidents of elder abuse is in domestic settings or reported. You know, or only only one out of fourteen are reported. So people are being abused and they're not reporting it. So this sounds to me, and I, and I have to say this sounds to me like it's almost becoming an epidemic. I mean, it's a it's a society bad problem. I mean, my vocabulary won't let me say. it. I mean, I got a couple of things I could say, but probably sure. not good. The reality is, it's just a terrible thing to think that our aging population is is being abused.
3: That's so true, and and. Part of that is uh, why don't people report it? it? Relationships with family members, the fear of perhaps that I'm going to be abandoned and not cared for. So, and it leads to some really difficult things. I mean, we see even the fact on the National Council of Aging about a higher death rate of those people that have been abused. Mm-hmm. So, the will to live has a whole lot to do with someone coming beside you and saying, Mom or dad or aunt and uncle, I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to care for you. And it's a trusted person.
2: So the perpetrator becomes that person. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's uh, I trust it. I want to have this relationship. I almost will let them abuse me because I just got to have that relationship.
3: That appears to be what uh, what happens as we go through that loneliness in, in the aging process sometimes.
2: Ryan, who who do you see is at risk today?
4: Well, according to the National Council on Aging, uh, women and the very elderly are most at risk. Now, remember, uh, elder abuse affects seniors across all socioeconomic groups, cultures, and even races.
2: So it's not just, you can't go out here and say, okay, it's just a little pocket of people. You just said from the National Council on Aging, it's across the
4: board. It's across the board.
2: You know, that's a scary thought. So when we look at it, guys, we got so much information we want to cover. So we've said there's a problem. Now, Rob, I want you to help me with this. There's got to be some red flags. there have got to be some things that you can begin to say, I see this. I suspect this. Would you walk us through some of those things that you can say, okay, some of the red flags or some of these ideas that may be, relic- especially financial abuse. This is a financial program. So let's stay with the financial abuse that we need to be sensitive to.
3: All right. Well, that it begins with the things that we call eyes. We're going to look with our eyes and see what's going on around those that we love. And the first thing is perhaps there's large piles of unpaid bills that are there and they're they're not having enough money to be able to cover their necessities necessities in life their food their medicines and those types of things so that's the, one of the first things we look at and then as we look around we see well there's mail that's sitting over here that's that they're just stacked up and uh, maybe they're getting letters from the lottery and things of that that are uncommon for that person But it is something financially that they may have been pulled or swayed to. Uh, And the third thing of the three is that the house is just unkept, that you look around and you say, well, this is not tidy like my relative used to have.
2: You know, when you think about that, what you're seeing there is signs maybe of a deteriorating person that's just not engaged as they were, as you said your loved one used to be. That's correct. So that's what you're looking for. I like what you said, at the eye mentality. Think about looking with your eyes. But this is a point where you're seeing just the person's not there uh, as they have always been in the past. Right. And I think that's what we need to do. So what are some of the other more substantial warnings? I mean, I see that. I see where where if I got someone that you go by and you're visiting or, you know, you're just noticing that. But what are some other things you'd be looking for?
4: Well, Well, you want to look at uh, suspicious changes in wills and powers of attorneys. Uh, For example, if an elder uh, suddenly changes his will or leaves all his belongings to a new nurse or someone they just met, that's a big warning sign. Uh, One of some of the financial activities that elders uh, could have completed— couldn't have completed on their own, such as maybe repeated ATM withdrawals from a hospitalized relative or a bank account, things of that nature, stuff that's out of the ordinary.
2: Okay, now let me make sure I get this right, because I appreciate you saying that. So you got a suspicious change. They've changed the will, they've changed their power of attorney to that quote-unquote trusted nurse, to that trusted person that's coming up. You know, we had a case, I read about a case years ago that occurred in East Tennessee where the individual was literally they had hired someone to come into the home and take care of this person, and this person began to abuse this individual. It was a gentleman that he was mm-hmm. being he was the he was the elder, an older man uh he loved this young man, this guy became a you know not only a trusted advisor I mean almost like a confidant, and he began and it was a calculated thing he began to financially changed wills, changed documents, and ended up taking this man quite a bit of money, uh, using writing, writing checks out of his account. When his family found out about it, they thought it would be simple. Go to dad, tell him, and he would kick the guy out and bring charges. Totally surprised them. He did not. He said, oh, and we won't say a name. Use a fictitious name, John. John is my friend. And that's okay. And it was a devastating thing when they realized that dad didn't want to bring this. So what we're looking at here is these little, so you want to catch them early before they're so far in and Dad or mom just doesn't feel they can do something with that. Does that make sense, Ryan? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Well, that, I think that makes sense. What about significant withdrawals,
3: Rob? Oh, well, I've got a personal story on that. Uh, we actually had a family member living with us that was in the later on in life, aging, and uh, and uh, and I managed uh, the bank account and the assets for this particular individual, and all of a sudden I saw some. Uh, fairly significant amounts coming out of the account and uh, approached my wife uh, and said, don't you think we need to talk with this family member? And we went ahead and just directly talked to this person and said, is there somebody that's asking you for money? And if so, what is the reasons? And the family member was very uh, quiet about it, didn't really want to talk much about it. And so we went to the bank and asked the bank. My wife happened to be on the account of this particular family member. And we looked at the council checks and we saw who they were to. Now happened to be three of them. Now, once we got it, we were really at peace about it because... This family member was giving money to people that she loved and wanted to make sure that they had enough money to handle their affairs. So that's a positive end of seeing large withdrawals. But there's also a bad side of that, too. So my key here is just be aware, as Ryan was saying, about what possibly changes this person is going through that may lead to them handling their money a little differently.
2: It goes a little bit of that person from a trusted person that if you have someone doing that, it's moved, uh, you know, that person has moved into a person's life. He begins to take over. He begins to do things right. The, and all of a sudden, there's they're being taken advantage of. There's fraud. There's That's financial abuse. That's stolen. Things are being taken from them. Uh, so it can happen not just from checking accounts. It can happen from ATM cards. It can happen from just different items in the home that are being taken and sold, and we need to be sensitive to that. How do you report, Rob, financial abuse?
3: Great question. There there's several uh, ways that you can report it here locally. You can report it for Memphis and Shelby County. You can call the area code 901-222-4400. That's the Family Safety Center and you can get them also online at the family center.org. So one more time for Memphis, Shelby County, 901-222-4400.
2: And don't hesitate. I mean, I've been on that line. I've been there, and I know that if you suspect it, don't wait until, as this individual did, the individual man we were talking about earlier, well, until all of a sudden he's so far into it, he just can't do anything. Now, with this in mind, if we've gone through this process, we've said, "Okay, there's it's a reality. It's it's there. It's happening. What are we going to do about it? How about giving me a couple of ideas or tips, that you know, Rob, that help me understand that I could prevent elder abuse."
3: Absolutely. Now this is a time if you're a listener, you need to get a pen, a pencil, and a pad and write these down. There. Here's some really simple idea. Simply be aware you are at risk of being exploited by strangers and by those closest to you. That happens to us all. Secondly, do not become reclusive. Stay involved with the family and friends and remain as active as you can. Thirdly, if you are approached by anyone trying to sell you something, always say no. You should never purchase or give anything to anyone who calls or visits unannounced.
2: Well, let me ask you this. If you've gone through those now, be aware. You're talking about simply be aware that you're at risk. That makes sense. Don't become reclusive. Now, that is so easy to do. Um, I mean, you know, you think about it, if, you're, if you just don't have the ability to get out like you used to, it's you could become reclusive. So that's a signal that you need to be sensitive to that, stay involved with family and friends, and remain as active as you possibly can. We've had cases like that where we've had to report that was going on. Ryan, you had talked about a couple earlier too about buying products and services from companies you don't know.
4: Yeah, you, you always want to ask or wait for printed material about offers from either charities or, or people coming to try to sell you stuff. Don't, don't necessarily buy anything from somebody coming up to your door. What about pressure?
2: I mean, I notice that sometimes we get cases where we're dealing with people that it seems like that elder person's got a target across their forehead. I can pressure them and they cave.
4: Yeah, You should never really feel pressured to make any quick decisions about a purchase or a donation or really any, any other transactions. Uh, and really don't ever provide any credit card or account information to anyone.
2: You know, we say that's so simple for us to say that, but for those of you listening, this is a tip that we find, even though we say it to you, even though we encourage you to be sensitive about it, we do get cases that end up where somebody has given account information or credit card information, and it's never done on the first call. It's the 10th or 11th or 12th call where they've built in that relationship and that elder person you know, it's just they're sitting there. They're they're not having social and you know interaction like they used to. And all of a sudden, there's somebody calling, and somebody talking to them. And they build that relationship, and then they sneak in the question about this for this. And that's when you start the older. Financial abuse.
3: Absolutely, and Jim, we're going to offer too for any folks that are listening, if they want to come by the office at 2176 West Street Suite 100, we can give them a copy of these 10 tips we're going through if you haven't caught them all, or you can just call us and we can uh, we can get your address and and uh, follow right. up with you. Yeah,
2: mail it to you. Uh, what about shredding receipts and stuff, guys? I mean, we have a shred day. What about that? Is that a big issue for a lot of people? Because that's a very sensitive piece of information.
3: Absolutely. That is, that is key. You don't want to leave any credit card numbers or any confidential numbers for your banking account around so that uh, somebody could pick it up and today be able to uh, get into your account. So shredding is critical.
2: All right. Now, guys, let's talk for a second, because I really want us to dive into this. We've got a few more to go, and I, I want to make sure we cover them all, but we're going to take a short break. But I think we need to be sensitive here. Let's do it. to those that are senior citizens that are listening to us, the elder, we're giving you tips. But also we're trying to give your caregiver a tip, saying to you, caregivers, pay attention to what's going on around the person that you are the caregiver to. And, you know, again, we talk about sometimes the caregiver is the trusted person, and they're the cause. But I'm talking about the reality where somebody's really trying their best to do what they're doing. So let's make sure I get this. Be aware. Be aware. Be sensitive. Look for people that are coming around you that you haven't seen before. Don't become reclusive. Also, if somebody's trying to sell you something, say no. Always say no at first, and then you can rethink it and maybe go about you know doing some more research. Have somebody to do the research for you. Don't don't think that if you're if you're struggling with things, don't worry about having to ask questions. That's not a bad pro not bad thing to do. Feel free to ask questions. And as Brian said, don't buy products or services that you're not familiar with. Look for printed material, do the research, and never ever give your credit card or account information to anyone on the phone. Bottom line, that's a no-no. When we come back, we've got about three or four more tips that I want Rob, you and Ryan, to go through with us. If you just tune in, my guest is Rob Clement and Ryan Ely. We're talking about, bottom line, elder financial abuse. Now, you don't think it happens, but banks reported to almost 25,000 people last year. It was reported to the Department of Treasury. Well, that's, that's double what it was five years ago. Yes, that's a problem. So stay with us. We're going to continue our discussion. This is Talk Money.
1: Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be
0: a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice
1: or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, I'm talking with Rob Clement and Ryan Ely. We're talking about the reality that we all must deal with, and that's called elder abuse. We're specifically talking about elder financial abuse. Sometimes when we think about reported types of abuse, it's physical neglect. You can be talking about taking care of a person's hygienic Nutrition, dietary needs, and that's just been neglected. All those are problems, emotional neglect. I mean, causing emotional pain. This is distress or anguish by simply del- ignoring, belittling, uh, you know, just, just the whole needs of an adult. And it's just been totally, completely neglected. Abandonment, where all of a sudden you feel like the body's just walked away from you and you're totally left out by yourself. Your care and support is what you're having to do. That's abuse. That's abuse. Financial, that's what we're discussing. And then self-neglect literally means those of you that may have disabilities or whatever you failed to meet your own essential physical, psychological, and social needs, and this is where you need to be able to get help. And those are some of the things we're going to give you that a little bit later on. What is it? Well, it's serious. It's a real problem. Elder abuse is the intentional or neglectful acts of a caregiver, usually by a trusted friend. Even a relative will do this. And we've been giving you some tips on how to avoid that. And some of those tips are simply, as I said earlier, be aware. Don't become reclusive. You know, don't buy something when somebody's trying to tell you something. Just say no and then do your research or get some advice, seek out counsel from somebody. Just don't get caught up in the pressure of the moment. And then, you know, literally, if you're not familiar with the product, step away, simply wait for any material, even though you want to do something, walk away from it, and then never feel pressured into making a quick decision. Never, never feel pressured to make a quick decision about any purchase, a donation, any other transaction that you might have to provide your credit card or your account information Just don't do it. The last one we talked about, guys, was shredding all receipts. Rob, give us some more tips that we need to be sure that we're telling everybody. These are sensitive things. Be aware. Don't be naive when it comes to elder abuse.
3: Yeah, be cautious with that mailbox. You want to make sure that you're not letting mail accumulate in your mailbox and sitting there for several days, uh, that trap that sometimes we fall in. And, uh, And after that, you want to just... Check your credit report. Make sure what is on your credit report. Is there anything unusual or suspicious or incorrect on your credit report? You
2: know, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. We do that with a lot of people at the office. I mean, that's easy. We can help them do that. Or their bank can help them do that. Their accountant can help them do that. And if they still have those relationships, most of the time they're moving through things. It's that person that doesn't have that relationship. If you know somebody like that, help them get to their bank. That they can check their credit report or give us a call, we'll help you do that. You know, to help you check your credit report.
4: Ryan, you have one? Yeah, when at all possible, you want to use direct deposit to ensure that all checks are going straight into your bank account. Um, that way, you don't have any um, spare checks laying around for somebody to get to. To get
2: to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Rob.
4: Well,
3: here you go. This is critical one right here. Never ever provide credit card, banking, social security. Medicare or other personal information over the phone with someone that is initiated to call with you unless you know that person. And even with that, make sure you confirm who you're talking with.
2: And that's amazing because we had someone that literally uh, they were being asked to send money to someone. And it was, of course, everybody knows this scam. It was the scam about, well, I'm your grandson. And it sounded like, you know, and I can remember the lady saying, well, it sounded like my grandson. Well, of course, you know I mean, there's so they did the research and they and they had that little dialect or whatever it was, and uh you know, and again, uh, if it hadn't been for the fact that somebody caught it and stopped it, they would have sent a sizable amount of money to their quote unquote grandson, and those are things that you know, and again who if my grandson calls me and says, "Hey, I want to do this, I'm trying to get this done, Grandpa, what do you think you know I'm afraid that I would be susceptible to saying, well, sure, hang on a minute. Let me tell you. And I mean, we're just all like that because it's that, it hits that emotional side of you. Well, a scam artist is not. He's a professional or she's a professional. They know what they're doing. All right. We've been talking specifically about elder abuse. And if you would like more information and more detailed information than this program can give you, simply call our office at 75757. We have a whole brochure, actually a pamphlet, a fairly large one, that we'll be glad to send to you. Or uh, you can stop by the office in Germantown and pick that up, 7575757. It's worth it. It would give you some information. We've tried to cover a lot of it today for you. But I think it's important that you know What are the symptoms? What are the things you need to be sensitive to? What is it? What are you looking for? And then how do you prevent it? Now, Ryan, I want to move to our next subject before we take a break, because reality is so many people need to manage their risk when it comes to their family's financial needs. And so... We talk about life insurance being a very important subject and a very timely subject for a lot of people. But the reality is it is not understood or it's one of those least understood types of subjects, life insurance purchases. So I want both of you guys to help me go through this. So first of all, let me ask this question. Who needs life insurance?
4: Well there's a there's a wider range of people who need it. Let's let's talk about a couple of groups. First, let's talk about married couples with no kids. Uh when they have no kids, they think, "Well, why do I need life insurance?" Well, there's a couple of questions you want to ask yourself. If one of your if your spouse was to pass away, would you be able to, to maintain the same lifestyle you currently have without any 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 added income? And then secondly, would you would your surviving spouse be able to pay off your debts, the mortgage you have got, the credit card bills, car loans, student loans, things of that nature? Uh, Then we look at married couples with kids. Now, it's the same scenario as married— couples without children, but now you've afforded a lifestyle for not only your spouse, but also your children. And with children come a lot of specific debts, such as daycare, school activities, and uh, you have to ask the chef, would you want to disrupt this pattern of life that your child has become accustomed to? You have two daughters. I do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had two daughters. Rob, you had a son and a daughter. The reality is, I can remember that was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. You know, I thought, well, I want to take care of Linda, make sure I have no debts that she She's burdened with and she did with me. But the reality is you had a child into the scenario and it's like, oh, that person's depending on me to take care of. It changes, doesn't it? It changes a lot. So what are the other needs? Who
4: are the other groups? Well, single parents is a big one. So clearly, clearly you want to safeguard the financial future of your children or, or child if there's no parent present. Uh, life insurance proceeds can go to uh, the maintenance and well-being of that minor throughout the, their life. Um, it's not just a one-time thing; it could be an ongoing uh, financial. System. So, if
2: you're a single parent and have a child, you're talking about being really responsible for that child, yes. and and of course, you're talking about education. Uh, I, I like it like it as far as the three things that I look at as MUG mortgage utilities and groceries mm-hmm. you're really taking care of that life there so that they get, and it's not you don't give the money to the child it goes to a trust it's taken care of that's a minor trust and it goes from that standpoint what about a retired person do they need life insurance
4: absolutely so many times we see instances instances where life insurance proceeds from people passing well into retirement go to take care of things like a state tax funeral costs, medical bills, and life life insurance proceeds also allow these things to be taken care of without liquidating assets that were built up for any other purpose.
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. And I know that, fortunately, for most of us, the way we now look at the estate tax or the Tennessee inheritance tax, that's been eliminated. Now, for some, it's not. And so they have to be sensitive to that. But the reality is, all these other things, you're talking about funeral costs, medical bills... Those are major things and just continue. I had a an individual where they were looking at life insurance and they needed to think about it. And he ended up having cancer. And the reality was it was a major thought for him. He said, I want to make sure that we continue to live in the lifestyle because when I die, I will replace it. And that was a thought. And that was a very sincere thought because he didn't want all of a sudden him having to cripple their lifestyle while he was still alive. He wanted to make sure that he would take care of the things that they had wanted to do, knowing His mortality was going to be shortened. And when it did happen, you know, everything went into place. He took care of his wife. She's still around doing a great job. And that's been a long time ago. When we come back, guys, I want to ask this question. We talked about who needs it, but how much? do I need? That's the question. So many people struggle. How much? Because an insurance agent may say one thing, and the reality is it may be something else for someone. So we need to help people understand, how much do I need? If we've got some formulas or some things to help them with, let's do that. If you just tune in, my guest, Ryan Ely, he's talking about insurance 101, basics, just fundamentals. Rob Clement, we're going through this process with him. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money.
1: If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this.
5: The last decade of the 19th century saw a wave of incorporations of towns within Shelby County, such as Madison Heights, Binghampton, and Idlewild. Memphis city officials saw this as a major public health issue, the horrific yellow fever epidemic in 1878 still being fresh on their minds. To prevent the recurrence of an epidemic, the city worked hard to improve garbage collection, install modern restrooms, replace wood with gravel and the roadways, and most importantly, build a modern sewer system. These changes were neither fast nor cheap, and many Memphians were very anxious over the thought of smaller towns being near Memphis that could not afford a proper level of sanitation control. After much political wrangling between the city and state legislature, an annexation measure was passed, making these communities part of the city of Memphis. The annexation put to rest the concerns over public health felt by those who had gone through the horror of the yellow fever epidemic 10 years earlier and doubled the size of the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial
0: s and p is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate
1: and were redeemed to maybe worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, we're talking about the purchase of life insurance, a fundamental part of any good financial plan. It's in the base part of the pyramid, and yet it is misunderstood. It is difficult to understand the insurance concept, how much, it, I mean, you can say, I just need to buy insurance, that's fine, But then, you know, who needs it? Well, we talked about married couples with no kids, married couples with kids, a single parent, retired. We're talking about paying off debts. Those are simple things. But then you get into, okay, if I know I need it, how much do I need? And that is always a tough question. And so we want to help you kind of give you some insight into how much do you need And how do you calculate that so that if you're in the process of buying it, you have some kind of a formal educated guess? And that's what it is, but it's an educated guess. You at least have some idea to work with. A professional can walk you through, and any time you're being sold something, you need to make sure you understand exactly why you're buying it and how much you're buying it. Don't just have someone to say, well, you need X. And that's what you get. Nope, you need to go through the process. It's a very, very systematic. It's a financial decision. And I want you to understand enough about it that you can make a good, educated guess. So, Ryan, I want to ask you this. All right. How much does a person need and how do you help a person calculate that? That's not just an out-of-the-box question, not an
4: out-of-the-box answer. Talk to us. Great question, Jim. So when you're looking at buying life insurance, there's two basic questions you want to ask yourself. Number one, how much money will my family need at my death to meet ex- immediate expenses and debts? So when you ask yourself, what are immediate expenses and debts? You think about stuff like daycare, groceries, uh, the credit card bills, stuff that can be paid off pretty quickly. And then number two, how much will they need to maintain their standard of living? Now I have small children, so the standard of living for my children is daycare, going out to the parks and play, and toys and clothes and things like that. But uh, Rob, maybe you have grandchildren. What, what would you say that standard of living would be for your grandchildren?
3: Yeah, it changes everything because uh, as a as a grandparent, uh, if we would have knew being a grandparent was so much fun, we would have had our grandkids before. Our Absolutely. Kids, you know? So uh, no grandkids, course. grandkids are the trumper. So. Gr- Grandparents are all about uh, making sure those kids have uh, future years taken care of. And in those future years, it could be education of some type and planning for that education for them and just making sure that they're going to be provided for, not only by their parents, but as grandparents, that we're going to provide for those kids. Uh, So uh, we're going to get into some things here about how you can do that.
2: Uh, I think, next. Well, let me let me make sure I understand, though, because I want people that's listening to understand. First of all, Ryan, you said you need to know how much would I need at my death to cover my expenses. And you talked about mortgage, utilities, groceries, debt, those things that are immediate expenses, because all of a sudden the breadwinner, in your case, my case, was taken out. So if we're do- doing that, they, that calculated number, that's a very... St- factual number that's not a number that's reached up out of the sky you can look at a person's expenses so the first thing they write down is what are my expenses and you look about mortgage utilities groceries those things debt and then you then you add it in the park the extra things now i'm thinking in my mind you've got two daughters you might as well think about prom dresses partner you got to think about weddings you got to think about college education you got to think about car for them, you've got a lot more than just mortgage, utilities, and groceries. But your reality is, all of that needs to be kind of calculated, and you need to figure out what that is,
4: right? Right. So there's a basic equation you can use to help come up with that number. So you take your financial obligations, and we talk about those mug items, the mortgage, utility, groceries, debt, uh, credit card payments, things like that. So you take your financial obligations and you subtract your resources and assets. So what are resources and assets? So any income you have coming in, your savings, um, any property that you could sell for money. And once you take your financial obligations, subtract your resources and assets, then that number you're left with is your life insurance need.
2: All right. Let's say I've got $100,000. Financial obligations, Mm -hmm. okay, all those things we talked about, and then and and again, the problem with that is that's the debt, okay. That's Mm -hmm. just now if when you mentioned standard of living, am I talking about? Because if I got small children, Social Security is going to pay for that, but you're still talking about the day to day expenses. Carry it out for a long period of time. That can be a large number.
4: Yeah, it's it's the things that you want to do with your children. It's not the things that Social Security may not think of. It's the buying the prom dress. Okay. It's the 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 buying the car. It's the gas to put to go in that car. It's those things that we we don't necessarily think about until they happen.
2: You know, one of the things that you mentioned standard of living, and I know so many people. I've looked at people, and they will turn to their spouse or something and say, "Well." We're living on this standard of living, but if I'm not here, you can live on this mm-hmm. standard. And it's usually a tremendously discounted number. You know, I, I really struggle with that because that's not the purpose of what you're trying to do here. You're trying to keep the purpose, the person in the same lifestyle, the same standards that they are enjoying while everybody's around.
3: Yeah. Uh, back in uh, when 9-11 hit, 2001— President Bush at that time actually decided that as a nation, we were going to care for those people's families that perished in 9-11. And in that, he came to the life insurance industry as financial advisors and said, how do we? How do you figure how to pay those families? Or one way is like what Ryan's been talking about, the financial needs analysis. Another way is the human life value, which is something altogether... Different when you take a person, how much income they can generate.
2: All right, I want to talk about that when we come back. We want to talk about the human life value, and then different types of insurance because not every insurance looks the same. We need to understand that, Ryan. You'll help us do that. If you just tuned in, Ryan Neely, Rob Clement. We're talking about insurance. We've just went through the formula called financial needs analysis. Financial obligations minus resources and assets equals the life insurance needed. We'll talk more about that coming up. We're going to talk about human life values. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money.
1: Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide
0: specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Life insurance products contain fees, such as mortality and expense charges, and may contain restrictions, such as surrender periods.
1: Please keep in mind that the primary reason to purchase a life insurance product is the death benefit. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, if you've been listening, we have one of those programs that I think is so informational that you may want to listen to this podcast later, and all you have to do is go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, and you can, of course, just listen to the program because it's informational, and I I know we're covering a lot of things. We've talked about elder abuse and some tips to... Check that out and know more about it and how to avoid it. But now we're talking about a subject that is sometimes very misunderstood, life insurance. Now, Rob, before the break, you mentioned during nine eleven, and that's going almost 20 years ago, uh, really the whole idea behind human life value.
1: Explain.
3: Yeah, every one of our lives have a value. And as a working individual, you have, at whatever age you are, an income that you're making. And then with that, the human life value takes your age, your income, and it projects out to retirement age, let's just say 67. And the calculator we use then calculates inflation in there along with salary increases, and we come up with what a human life value is worth. And that's what they used at nine eleven to be able to pay the widows or widowers or the children of those that perished.
2: And that's a, that's a very, very clean way to let someone to know— If you, you know, you're talking about who needs it, this is an easy way, whether it's the financial needs analysis where you're looking from, you know, the assets minus the liabilities or the liabilities and all that, you know, add it all together and you come up with the amount of, you know, insurance needed or its human life value. Just knowing how much you really need so that you don't buy too much or too little. That's the key thing we're talking about. Ryan, talk about two different types. There's term insurance, I know, and permanent insurance. Talk about that.
4: So, yeah, the first type, term life insurance, is typically the most economical way to go. Um, It protects for a specific period of time, which is the term, and it only pays a benefit if you pass away during that time period, and it's extremely common. The second type is permanent life insurance, which is basically designed to last as long as you do. It's the only type that will guarantee that someone will receive a death benefit when you pass, and it can be built for multiple uses, such as lifelong protection, cash accumulation or combination of both. Now, we want to keep in mind that the primary reason for the purchase of life insurance is a uh, product, it's a death benefit, and policy loans and withdrawals may create an adverse tax result in the event of a lapse or policy surrender, and it'll reduce both the cash value and death benefit. So
2: what you're talking about is the economic, if you only can afford term insurance, buy term insurance. Exactly. I mean, you're not saying, uh, you know, buy, a, you know, if you only can afford $100 a month, well, just get $100 a month
4: to permanent, well, you may not have enough. You may not have enough, and it may not last as long as, as a term policy.
2: So, so being, being sensitive to do the planning. So let me, guys, this is important. An insurance agent and an, or a financial advisor, these,
4: they, that's the person that's supposed to help a person make this decision. How does that work? So a good agent or advisor will assess your financial situation, look at your long-term objectives, and find the right coverage for you. Um, Also, a good thing to look at is what you can afford versus what the policy can accomplish, kind of what you talked about, Jim, if you can only afford $100 a month, then you need to get a permanent policy. And then life insurance should never be a one-time purchase that you forget about in a couple years. It should be something that you evaluate on a regular basis.
2: Well, that's so important, and and Ryan, you've done a good job of articulating that. I know a lot of people need to understand that, you have some from work rob i mean that's important and you need to know how much you have so sometimes it's uh, not always what they think and that's a that's a difficulty so what's a you know from the disability standpoint not disability excuse me from the beneficiary standpoint they need to check their beneficiary
3: absolutely you know, there's there's several moving parts within life insurance as far as the ownership of the life insurance the insured and the beneficiary and so Who is the monies, who's the proceeds going to be going to in the event that something happens to that insurer? And uh, and like you just said, be cautious as you look at your group plan through your employer to make sure it's doing exactly what you want it to do, and you complement it with your own personal insurance.
2: Well, one of the things that we've talked about, who needs it? Well, married couples with no kids, married couples with kids, single parents, retired people. Most of the time, a person needs to just look at their financial worth and say, okay, I need to do something. How did you calculate it? Rob, you talked about the human life value. Ryan, you covered the financial needs analysis, financial obligations minus resources and assets, and you get life insurance that you need, and very effectively talked about term insurance and permanent insurance. Guys, thanks for being a part of today's program.
3: Great to be here, Jim.
4: Thanks for having me.
2: Well, you've been listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest, Rob Clement, Ryan Ely. And guys, thanks again for being a part of today's program. Great job. Good information. If you would like to talk with them personally, call them at 901-757-5757. When we hope that you really enjoy today's program. We'd like for you to listen to it again. Thanks for listening. And if you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and be sure to like us on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker and this is Talk Money.
0: Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskowitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Ryan Ely are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Rated.